So, Mr. Craig Wright, thanks for agreeing to chat to me. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, you are, without doubt, the most controversial person that I've had on my show. And that that is really insane to me because I had I've had like full communists, like people who were not inside the Capitol, but at the mm. at the Capitol on January 6th. And no one has got as much like vitriol when I've mentioned that I was trying to get you on the show. And people react with such like, no, 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 don't talk to that guy. And that's why I'm here basically is because so many people told me not to. <laughs> it's very simple. They're scared. So what do you think they're scared of? Uh, well, there's this guy who um, has more patents than anyone else in the space. Um, ones that actually work. I'm talking about scaling uh, and they don't even understand the figures. My aim is to get a sustained 10 billion transactions a second by the end of this decade, which means peak of between 10 and 100 times that, potentially hitting a trillion transactions a second. Uh, for the costing for a standard transaction being a thousandth of a cent or less, um, the whole industry is based on lies, deception, and fraud. The exchanges are, the, I don't know, one of them, uh, one decent sized one that isn't a bunch of criminals. They're money launderers, they're scum, they're the, everything else. And like all through history, uh, this whole democratizing finance crap is the biggest load of shit that anyone's ever invented. I mean, 1929, the exact term was used. Charles Ponzi used that term. I mean, it means selling to rubes uh, who don't deserve to uh, sort of be ripped off and ripping them off because you think, well, they don't deserve to have their money. That's really what democratizing finance means. It's not having controls, not having protection and um, going out there to uneducated consumers and lying to them. So one thing I want to make clear, actually, while we're talking is you've got to give me a real opinion. Like, don't, <laughs> don't, you know, dress it up. I always do. <laughs> yeah, seems like it. I think it's going to be fun. Also, don't worry about swearing. That's fine. I don't care. Um, so you're talking about scaling transactions there to a trillion transactions a second, like at peak, yes. at peak, yeah, um, sustained about ten billion a second. Okay, is that what is like what what is going on currently, like in the global financial system or just around the world? Like how how does that compare to how many transactions like per second are happening, say today, currently? Maybe quarter million. So why do you think we need the ability to have ten billion a second? Uh, moving away from advertising uh, for the basis of the internet. Uh, right now, the Silicon Valley uh, oligarchy keeps people out, stops competition, because if you have an advertising industry, 80% of advertising is captured by a few industries. Uh, they can now select who does and doesn't uh, have access to advertising. Now, interestingly enough, there's a dystopian book by Jack London, um, uh, called The Iron Heel, not one that's read much. Uh, this is from 1899. It talks about the creation of uh, oligarchies, uh, locking out people from advertising, stopping all this because of that, and, and uh, locking themselves in. And that's what Silicon Valley wants to do. This is, I mean, the people behind it, the MasterCards, the, Sil the Jack Dorseys, etc. Square, they don't want anything where it's a free open system. What they want is a controlled system and they're seeking to maintain that. So machine to machine, there'll be over uh, 100 billion machines by the end of this decade. They'll need to communicate securely. And this isn't just about finance. It's about access tokens, authentication, uh, passports, about um, proving identity pseudonymously so that you can actually say, yes, I'm over 18 without saying who you are, uh, partial identity proofs. Uh, it's about these machines securely uh, communicating one to another uh, and transferring information, recording it. The hacker community, of course, would hate any of this. One of the first things as a hacker you do, uh, like breaking into a system is remove logs and um, cover up any changes you've made. An immutable database means that you can't do that. There's no way of, of hiding that you've been in a system. And if you can 
not cover up your tracks, there's no way of not being found. Okay. So for you then, it, 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 this is about like the big battle essentially then in, in your mind is about this, yeah, this conflict. And we've seen it, I think, escalate more in the last 18 months or two years is between the the system that sort of seemed to be kind of getting undermined by the internet. But then I feel like over the last five to 10 years, we've seen, yeah, corporate mm. America or like the global corporate structure or I don't know, however you want to describe it, come in and subsume the internet. And once again, like centralize it is like, here's mm. where the, here's where all the ads go through. Here's mm. where all the stuff is hosted. Mm -hmm. Here's where all the speech is. Mm -hmm. And for you, that's the conflict then is about Correct. like trying to find ways to, yeah. If you have direct payment, then Google can't basically own search. Because right now, search is owned by advertising. And if you can stop new players getting money, then how do you start a new search engine? I mean, DuckDuckGo, etc. they can't get the monetary base to actually really compete. Um, the same goes for platforms like uh, Facebook. So with MySpace, they hadn't really solved the advertising problem, which actually diminished their growth, which allowed Facebook to come in. And the big innovation Facebook did was in um, capturing ads. Now, if you can remove that uh, from them and you go back to direct payments, whether it's payment channel or uh, payment per page, etc., then you move away from the ad model and, and the capture and you no longer have any way of forming a monopoly over that because it's a direct cash payment on micro payments. So anyone can pop up with a new competitor. And um, if people like it, instantly uh, money starts flowing in and they can start building. Now, that is direly uh, sort of bad for Silicon Valley's model. Hence why, for instance, COPA, um, the so-called uh, crypto alliance that are against me has now also got Meta. I mean, Meta has joined. Why? Why have they joined this anti-crag campaign? I mean, uh, apart from the fact that they've got five, uh, five failed attempts at making a cryptocurrency, inverted commas, uh, two of which have actually violated in-chain patents if they ever got them launched. Um, Taproot violates in-chain patents. So, In what way? Just... Uh, the sure. exact algorithms in Taproot are directly out of uh, white paper number 42 uh, and a few other um, uh, patent ideas that we have from 2015-2016, uh, which uh, became, after 18 months, we, we um, suppress uh, publication as long as we can. So 18 months, uh, they become public. And two weeks after the publication of those patents, Mr. Maxwell came up with his brilliant idea for Taproot, which was a direct cut and paste from one of my papers. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't shock me that that Facebook of or Meta, great rebrand, mm. um, that they have been like attempting to get into this space, but mm. it's it's been like a tiny bit confusing to me as to why they haven't been able to penetrate that with all of the resources and all of the talent that they should technically have. I don't know how much talent they actually have left after. Yeah, I've heard I've heard things about the last Silicon two Valley years. Silicon doesn't have a lot of talent. Yeah. People love to say how much talent they have. They have a whole lot of agile programmers who have no focus. They have TikTok generation of programmers who know how to run APIs and couldn't code their way out of a wet paper bag. I mean, um, not real coding. They're, they're all API type thing. They don't really understand um, deep uh, distributed systems, mm -hmm. despite what they try and tell you. So this kind of brings us like quite nicely then to to Bitcoin and to, to BSV and well, BCH as well. But I don't think we'll spend too much time on that. So no, nah, Bitcoin's fine. <laughs> Bitcoin. it'll, it'll, it'll die. Bitcoin. Oh my goodness. I've not heard anyone say that before. That's amazing. VCH, <laughs> Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Oh my <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I haven't, like, I haven't spent that much time, like, looking into BCH itself. I mean, mm. um, BSB. So you take the first bit of Bitcoin, BIT, mm. and then you add CH and Bitcoin. <sighs> Gonna use that. Mm. That's great. <laughs> so, Roger's everyone's bitch these days.
trousset. So the the problem then we were discussing is the the this idea of like instantaneous like micro payments or transactions or, mm -hmm. or for whatever service you're using, which kind of is a little bit then like the podcasting 2.0 mm -hmm. thing that people like um, Adam Carolla and, and stuff are talking about. Yeah, if you're not locked into advertising models, then how do you be uh, become deplatformed? You can have your own system. Mm -hmm. And um, like the Rogans of the world can just earn directly. They don't need to suck up to sponsors. They don't need Spotify to be there going, please, please don't say this. Our sponsors don't like you. I mean, they can get money directly from uh, subscription. Mm -hmm. And if they do what their consumers want, you know, capitalism, um, they keep getting paid. Not because they do what the advertisement says you must do. Hey, in the middle of my thing, I'm going to sell you product X. Look how sexy product X is. Now we're going to go back to bitching about the government. <laughs> yeah, or the best one is when you get um, people mean like, it's capitalism, capitalism's the problem. It's like brought to you by <laughs> whatever sponsor. Uh, capitalism isn't the problem. Uh, we don't, this isn't capitalism. Adam Smith talked about how uh, merchants would always seek to capture the system. And so the problem isn't capitalism. The problem is mercantilism. And um, we call it crony capitalism and all these other things, but it's actually the system that Adam Smith uh, wrote about in the first place, the, the whole how do I capture the system. And finance has really become that once again. I mean, 51% of the global GDP right at the moment and growing is finance. Now, finance has a purpose, but right now when it's people trading and speculating like we're seeing in crypto for the sake of trading and speculating, then you're not producing anything. So finance is there so that someone such as a farmer can get a futures contract knowing what to grow and um, be guaranteed a certain amount of profit um, by doing a, a job and delivering correctly and also being insured for any losses. That's not then the follow-up market where people start speculating back and forwards and um, sometimes making synthetic uh, sort of securities and things on things that don't even exist. And um, when you're, you're talking about synthetics, it's a gamble over an asset that isn't even real anymore. So then it's pure gambling. And um, really, finance should be probably 2 or 3% of the world's economy. How much is it? 51 to 52. What? Really? Really. Now, if you think about that, that means that is incredible waste. That is all these systems, all these computers, all these people not building, not having haircuts and cars, food, but rather going back and forwards on a gambling thing on the same product. Like I will buy this thing of wheat and I'll buy this thing of wheat. And it goes back millions of times every minute on the same product. Um, so that you can arbitrage it for a billionth of a cent sometimes. And who cares? Oh, the market's not efficient. It's a billionth of a cent out. Well, that's called, that's just gambling. No one knows in, in a nanosecond a difference between what the price of wheat should be and what it is. I don't care what you say. There's no information that changes that quickly that can do anything other than pure gambling. It's not a market price. It's a speculator's price. Are you, are you familiar with um, Nicholas Shackson's book, The, uh, the Finance Curse? Um, I've actually read it, yes. Mm. Yeah, I actually, I had Nicholas on the show before. Mm. Um, and that, that, that stat is what you said, what, 51, 52% of the world mm. economy is, is- And growing. And growing. Wow, is that, so that's what, global, global GDP or, yes. or so. Wow. Everything we produce, the majority is now synthetic assets and gambling. Uh, and it is literally gambling. When you're talking about mom and pop investors who have no idea about um, the finance of a company, the, I mean, like if you take um, oil or wheat futures, I mean, really, do you actually know the different climate effects that will impact wheat? Why are you day trading on this? You think the, the pattern is wrong and it's going to go up or down, which I mean, I'm sorry, but pattern uh, guessing is asinine. It's insane. I mean, it's why um, a bunch of um, uh, sort of hyper wealthy at a time, uh, Nobel Prize winning professors in long term capital investment went from super rich to, well, bankrupt very quickly. 
I mean, everything looks good, pattern good, and then not. In 2008, everything looks good, pattern good, then not. Mm. I mean, um, you can't predict information you don't know. And that's what a lot of people are trying to do. Now, uh, compare that to, I mean, the dinosaurs like the Berkshire Hathaways, um, for all their being bailed out at times, and uh, the long-term approach actually does work. But then what you need to do is find industries and understand them. You need to look at balance sheets. You need to look at um, the people involved. You need to really get a deep understanding of that company. But the problem is, once again, TikTok generation and uh, having a 30-second uh, understanding uh, is not deep enough to actually really understand a corporation and what it's doing. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 like, I'm not on TikTok because I, yeah, well, mm. I mean, fuck that data, data mining Chinese well, venture. But <laughs> I was going to say the other problem, people don't realize that the market isn't Wall Street. The market is Main Street. Mm. So Wall Street doesn't have markets. Wall Street has casinos. Markets are the consumption, the supply of goods and services for use. So the market is when the people finally buy and sell wheat for use. Mm -hmm. If it's a company like Nabisco buying uh, futures contracts, that's market. The other guys before like um, speculating on the price and arbitraging and uh, doing all that stuff, well, they're basically just the ones trying to get a little bit of money before it hits Nabisco mm -hmm. by gambling on the price. So that's what, something people have got to understand. The market is Nabisco buying the product and that's consumption. The speculation, the Wall Street, isn't the market. What do you think drives the the S and P five hundred? Then is it the market or is it the speculation? Uh, greed, mostly. Okay. Uh, so speculation. Greed. Speculation, yes. Um, look at some of the prices of things like Google, etc. They're way overhyped, so. uh, even now. I mean, the amount of revenue they make, the amount of future earnings, it doesn't make sense. Now, if you're looking at the current profitability, the future profitability, uh, you do an amortization on it and you work out that there's no way that you can actually make money out of the amount they're turning over to get to the share price. I mean, it, you can do an amortization of, um, of income streams. And what the value is there is uh, within the next 10 years, for Google to make its share price means that they have to get up to a $5 trillion revenue. They're not doing, there's not enough advertising globally to be able to do that. There's not a, the world's population will have to be about 80 billion. And earning well um, on an average, maybe, uh, maybe income of somewhere like uh, France type level, which high, but not super high. And that's just not going to happen. I mean, I'm sorry, but that, that, that is not possible. I mean, I mean it maybe, takes... maybe they're factoring in the inflation. <laughs> well, they can, yeah. Well, they can uh, also factor in, uh, even if they do have uh, everyone in the world starts having children, well, you need 20 years for them to actually start being part of the economy, and you're going to have to drop a lot of them very quickly. I mean, every person on earth for the next 10 years is going to um, have to basically become a baby factory and it's not and even then and even then you're still going to be short on the population required for that sort of calculation yeah so you can't tell me that that's valid i mean so what do you think is it that's driving the the, the, the this constant like bull market that seems to continue end endlessly wow okay like people are struggling to pay bills and yet the stock market keeps just like soaring upwards is it is it the money printing is it the inflation is it just like speculation it's the speculation i mean it's the same problem that um uh i mean the old apocryphal thing uh from rockefeller and a taxi driver in 1929 which is when my taxi driver starts telling me about the market it's time to get out <laughs> so how many taxi drivers have asked you about the crypto market <laughs> lots and you're still in <laughs> i'm not in the crypto market i'm developing a product so that's the distinction. So, um, I think you described yourself as an issuer before. 
Yes, I am. I, I'm the original issuer. I mean, in creating Bitcoin and launching in 2009, it's not decentralized. It's not distributed that way. There's a single issuer. It's me. And people like to go, oh, but it's decentralized. It's community. The community didn't spend money. The community didn't take risk. The community didn't face um, bankruptcy against the government in um, 2011 uh, to 2013. Or the community didn't send me money to support um, any of the uh, fights I had with the tax office in Australia. The community didn't pay for my electricity in the early days before Bitcoin had a value. The community didn't, I mean, I had staff hired at the time. It wasn't just me. I had a company and I had um, uh, people running machines and uh, making sure they were up because as much as I like uh, sort of doing other things and, um, uh, and I do like working, I, I don't work 24 by 7. Haven't found a way of doing that yet. No, I mean, I don't think anyone's capable of that, unfortunately, or uh, fortunately, perhaps. There's that blue guy from the um, the Watchmen, um, but um, yeah. I haven't found out a way of having a nuclear accident and turning myself into a demigod or something either. Mm. Most nuclear accidents in like the real world tend to end in radiation poisoning and death, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. skin falling off, um, yeah. hair falling out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, go, go ask um, Abramovich. Hmm. <laughs> Shouldn't joke about that. It's pretty bad to be fair. Yeah. He went to negotiate and come back with poisoning. Mm. Um, so we'll, I want to get to to the the controversy around, um, yeah, Satoshi Nakamoto and, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, either be or not being him. I can't well, comment. I am so. I mean, I have to take your word for it sitting here, but um, we'll get to that in a minute. But the the question, like I, I was really thinking about when I was um, preparing for this, is basically. I saw you talking about the the nodes um, mm. with Patrick Bet David and said that there was only I think he said three back then at least three to four nodes three to four. on BTC. Is that still the case? That will always be the case. Okay. Ethereum only has two or three. Okay, but right. So this is the thing that I, I was I was confused about because every single other Bitcoiner, or I don't even know if you describe yourself as a Bitcoiner. Probably not. Um, but, yes, but they're not Bitcoiners. BTC is not Bitcoin. Okay, so the BTCers. The comment I made in 2010 saying that Bitcoin's seven stone, that I had reasons for that. Well, going where the community, we get to change. Satoshi's irrelevant. Bullshit. My creation, my rules. Get the fuck over it. I mean, if you made the rules. Exactly. So my question basically is that this is like one of the things that I speak to, I've spoken to, yeah, numerous people. Mm. The only person that hasn't said this actually was Kurt, Kurt Wicker, who, who mm -hmm. helped arrange this interview. He, everyone else says, yeah, we have nodes everywhere. Everyone can run a node. You can run a node. You can run a node. It's like Oprah. Have like, you, you can run a node. read my white paper? I have. Section five. What does it say? I mean, it was a while since I read it. So would you like to refresh for me and for the people? Nodes collate information, create blocks, find a valid proof of work solution, and publish blocks. So, by definition, nodes create blocks. These machines, you can check whether they've created blocks. This blockchain thing is public, it's transparent. Mm -hmm. You can see every machine that's created every block. There are 2016 on average every two weeks. That's then a difficulty reset, and that goes back to zero. So the theoretical maximum would be 2016 if every node was perfectly equal. And uh, as soon as it discovered a block, decided to stop competing for two weeks, which will never happen. So the reality here is being a Pareto distribution, uh, you have a few large nodes and then a tail of smaller ones. In BTC at the moment, last time I checked, uh, which was only a couple of weeks ago, it was um, uh, three nodes controlled 60% uh, of the network and uh, 15 in total that had discovered blocks and all in six months. So that means 15 total nodes of which three control 50% of the network. Yeah, that's not really the decentralization that people are, are selling, is it? No, that's because they're lying. <laughs> Or do the, they not understand? Do you think it's like... Well, no, no. It's purely a deception and a lie. I mean, it is... You can't stop our network because it's decentralized. We've got tens of thousands of nodes yeah. and they lie to government. And um, 
Is that helpful then, do you think, to the success of the the No, project? it's terrible for the success. What they're trying to do though is is um, help money laundering and crime and, and all these other things as long as possible. Um, basically a bunch of criminals who want anarchy and they want all these other things. I mean, um, talking with Roger Ver in the past, uh, he would rather um, not have large use and real um, deployment of money, despite what he says publicly, um, if he can get people selling drugs. He is pissed off with the government, despite his uh, committing fraud himself, which he did in the past. He's been convicted. I mean, his uh, fireworks, which were actually uh, quarter sticks of dynamite, um, uh, he uh, filled out a whole lot of declaration forms uh, where he said then no dangerous goods, etc sent explosives on an airplane and by definition that is fraud i mean and he went to prison for it and the irony is he calls me a fraud why because i'm not the satoshi he wanted but i never promised to be mm. and no point did i say i was anarchist so then and my question really then becomes is like why why is your your new project BSD like? Why is that not going to be used for drugs and money laundering? Because oh, when, it's not a anyone... new project. Okay, well, I mean, it's the same protocol. So, I mean, BTC changed the protocol, and they go, oh, but it continued. But it's like if I went up to you and I said, I know you're running Windows, but this is the new version of Windows. See where it says Linux there? Ignore that. Just install this new software, <laughs> and you're still using Windows. Mm. There will be windows in there. Mm. So that's really what they've done. I mean, you install the new version of Bitcoin, inverted commas, uh, which is really BTC, and just pretend that you're still on Bitcoin. Mm. The Bitcoin doesn't actually change that way. So this whole community thing is a lot of crap. There are three people with GitHub keys, um, which shouldn't be on that anyway. I mean, they moved away from SourceForge because that was too centralized which is what I set up. Um, and uh, it's not a community thing because uh, Peter Woolley and a few others decide who gets to merge. So all this, uh, it, it's as sort of, I mean, it's like in definitions, the Soviet under um, uh, both Lenin and Stalin each called themselves democratic. The people could vote. Mm. The people could vote for whoever they want. You have a choice of voting for Stalin mm. or voting for Stalin, or you can not vote for Stalin and go to a gulag. I mean, it was purely by choice. Everyone had the choice to either vote for Stalin or be punished. Like China. Yes. I mean, you have a choice. You can vote for the party or you can not vote for the party and not vote for anyone else. So then what you're telling me is that BSV is what you'd originally envisioned. Yes. Okay. So, so why is it better than it what they have, they have achieved? It works. Okay. So, so decentralized, the whole concept is completely wrong and it's just a word that people throw out there. Um, as a distributed network, uh, if you go back and you read textbooks from 2008, you'll have a different description of what peer-to-peer -peer means. Peer-to-peer -peer doesn't mean I send to a group of nodes and those nodes eventually get it to the other person. That's actually considered a mesh network. So um, they're actually destroying the terms and just lying their little hearts out. Okay. Um, so you go back to a 2008 textbook on peer-to-peer -peer and it is a direct communication. So Alice and Bob directly communicate, no server, no mesh. Now, the way Bitcoin was originally envisioned, how I said it, and if you look at my original website, you'll see this. Alice sends a transaction to Bob. Bob sends to the network to be settled. Okay. So that's a lot faster and, um, and uh, also allows for much richer information exchange. So Alice then will also get a new key every time. There's no reuse of addresses, which is the privacy issue. Because if I connect to you, say, and then you say, this is the key to use for this transaction or the group of keys, because I can maybe break it into 10 different ones if I want to have smaller transactions. I then pay you to that. And at the same time, I can uh, take a hash of an invoice 
uh, and give you the PDF maybe of an invoice separately, but provably show that this invoice has been uh, created at that time by putting that information in one of the transactions. Now, the so-called malleability issues go away because the people who malleate a transaction would be me trying to do something strange. But if you're sending it to the blockchain, you're not going to destroy your own uh, transaction or hide it. But if you wanted to, you would know what it's malleated to anyway. So think about it. It's a really simple, uh, easy to use methodology. I connect to you, you connect to the blockchain. The argument was, oh, but that destroys privacy. But that's a load of crap. I mean, the reality here is if I'm communicating with you to buy goods and services, and say you're going to send me a television that I just brought, yeah. we're going to exchange information for warranties. Um, you're going to want to know the address. I mean, you're not going to have uh, third bench on the right in Central Park near the, um, uh, the big rock um, to the left of the baseball field. I mean, hi, I'm randomly delivering a TV. Are you... Um, um, <laughs> I mean, think about it. In, in the real world, um, it, but publicly then, because there's a new key, it's um, sort of generated every time. There's no information out there about who you are. So it is completely pseudonymous and private. The blockchain doesn't record this information, but you and I have it. And the part parties to a transaction are the ones that should. I want the invoice for the thing I've just bought. I want the record. I want to know that my goods and services will be delivered and work, and I want to be able to take action if they don't. So this, the transaction will be settled, and the information will be exchanged between the two people. The transaction settled by the person receiving the money. Yes. So they have, obviously, every incentive with which to get. And if they don't send it back, then there's a problem. But people go, oh, but what if you're not online? Well, I could email you a transaction. Mm. I, I mean, I don't need to use the blockchain and send it to a node. Yeah. People go, oh, but it's so hard to scan the node when um, transaction sizes and blocks are big. Mm. But I don't need to do that. If I'm sending you the transaction, yeah. um, you don't need to scan the blockchain. You just send it there. You check that there's no double spends, that it's still valid. If it uh, gets accepted by a node, it's valid. Everyone's happy. So then what in, like, so the, just trying to get my head around this to make sure I totally understand what you're saying with this. So the, would each like individual wallet or individual, would they technically, in a sense at least, be the node to which you're sending it to, like each individual. No, is they're not a the node. Island. They're an SPV node. They're an SPV node. So SPV only requires the hash header, which is the 80 byte every 10 minutes. So that'll run on very small devices. Now, with that, um, I can simplify the process by keeping the input transaction. So the transaction that came to me, I keep and I send that in its position, um, like Merkle proof, with my new transaction to you. Now, you can validate that, one, the transaction for the input is valid, two, that the, the other transaction is valid. You can see where they are um, by, by not even going to the blockchain, but just doing a Merkle proof uh, and checking that they are actually real. And then if they're accepted by a node, they haven't been double spent. Um, so that's really as simple as it needs to be. Okay. No, it's definitely, yeah, I'm going to have to take some more time to look a lot deeper into this because yeah, I, I'm still, so I'm trying to come at this in a lot of the, the interviews that I've been doing on, on, in the crypto space, obviously like the Bitcoiners are the, the, or the, well, the you BTCers. Mean, you've got to remember that MasterCard and others heavily fund digital currency group. Yes. Um, now they can sit there going, oh, we're not influenced at all. Uh, you mean if you get another $70 million for Lightning Labs, that you're not influenced by that $70 million? Of course not. I mean, if your paycheck is by MasterCard, you're you're going to go, oh, we hate MasterCard. Yeah, and, and MasterCard are increasingly becoming the 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 one, essentially. Like, I mean, I, I watch every single time I see any news on crypto, 
and any any news about MasterCard is like, oh, they've replaced Visa in this card, or they've replaced mm -hmm. Visa here and here and here. And it it's weird to watch it happening because everyone's like, oh, aren't they just the same thing? But mm. yeah, two very different companies. Yep. So do you believe that, because I've seen, do you still hold this criticism of, of BTC that people are just holding it and it's it's not a, it's not becoming a digital cash in the way oh, that it, can't it was be. meant to? I mean, the way that they've sort of set it all up, it can't be digital cash. I mean, um, three to four transactions a second is ridiculously low. Um, the fees aren't going to keep going up like they, they seem to bullshit everyone on. Uh, so what do you have? You have digital beanie babies. And the problem with digital beanie babies is when people get bored with their beanie babies, suddenly these things that cost $50,000 one day cost nothing. I mean, you can go out there and there are beanie baby, babies that cost tens of thousands of dollars that now people will probably trash. So you don't think the the Lightning Network is the thing that's going to fix this? Oh, of course not. It's a fucking joke. On top, Why? I mean, well, think of every hop you want to go through charges a fee. I mean, none of these guys have a clue about economics. If one of them uh, or two of them hadn't actually dropped out of uni, it would have helped. But even then, having a wide range of knowledge is important rather than being a single focused bigot. Now. If you start thinking that uh, you take a percentage of every transaction, so if you have a Lightning Network transaction for $100, even if there is $100 and you can get the entire path, then that $100 uh, for every hop takes 1%. So on hop number one is $101. And hop number two is $102. Hop number three is $103. Now, why would I want to use that? You have to be better than the competitor to actually win. Right now, um, two to three percent on a debit card, it's already exceeded that. So why do I want to use this rather than a debit card? The only reason would be not having records, which I mean, um, drug dealing, etc. Uh, contrary to what people say, money is not that anonymous. The Yorkshire Ripper back in the 70s was uh, actually found in part because of a the serial number on um, a five pound note that he got paid. No way. Yes. The, his employer recorded all of the, um, uh, the payments, um, like they took down all the serial numbers and the police uh, found it on one of his victims and um, uh, sort of asked for anyone who had any information. And the employer said, oh, this was paid too. Right now, when you go to an ATM, they take a photo of you. It's not just for your protection. I mean, um, they record information. The, the notes are scanned. That's why they don't just, I mean, that's why you hear clunk, 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 clunk as they're going through with every note individually. Um, so when you get a pile of notes for an ATM, they know which ones you have. So it's not end-to-end um, -end tracking of everything, but there's enough to know some uh, movement of cash. Cash was never uh, perfectly anonymous, as people say. The origin of cash actually goes back to, um, uh, I mean, not just uh, coins, but notes go to promissory notes. And the promissory note involved signing the back every time someone got it. So you would have a string of signatures, which got longer and longer over time. So. Um, all of those were public. You could actually see who had received this note. Because, mm. yeah, because people always envision that cash, that cash is this wonderful, anonymous, because I enjoy cash. I, I, I prefer it. Like... It's pseudonymous. I mean, if you're doing small transactions, yes. If, if you want to try, um, try and take out um, large amounts of money, not a hope in hell. Um, as an example, when I bought um, my Lamborghini a few years ago, um, just trying to get money out, uh, it was ridiculous. I mean, I had to book ahead, have interviews, um, go through the people there going, uh, uh, what, why are you getting the money out? Uh, is it because you're being extorted, etc.? cetera? Um, I'm going, no, I'm buying a car. And they're going, uh, 450,000 pounds, you, you, 
it can't be a car. I'm going, it's a car. It's a very expensive car, but it's still a car. It goes fast. It makes lots of noise. It annoys the neighbors. They all hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, speaking of Lamborghinis, um, this is something I was actually curious to, to ask you about was i don't know have you been paying attention to like the gamestop saga the, like the things that have been, been uh, happening since then i saw a little bit but i haven't kept following it no okay no just because they they're trying or well allegedly there's rumors that they are trying to change the financial world quite significantly um there's talk of them issuing uh, a dividend as an nft um because they believe that well there's a lot more shares in circulation than should really exist. So the theory goes that if you issue as many NFTs as there should be shares, and then there's a whole bunch of people going, where's my NFT? Then um, then it's like laid bare that it's like, hang on, how have we issued all of them? And yet there's still people with shares who don't have any. But people have been short selling uh, and um, uh, selling blind for a long time. It's actually technically illegal in the US. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, but- the SEC have papers about it. I know, but it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. The part of the problem is it's not illegal everywhere. So while it's illegal in the US, um, a lot of Europe doesn't care, especially if it's American shares. Yes, and the, yeah, with this company actually specifically, there's a lot of international shareholders. Mm. So I, I have no idea what's going to happen with it, but <laughs> it's going to be an interesting couple of months because mm. yeah, Ryan Cohen just announced um, a stock split slash dividend so all the shares will theoretically have to be recalled don't know what's going to happen but yeah yeah well they might want to have a chat to us because um in february this year uh the you know six-year-old patent filing uh, that we put in for what people now call nfts is, has been granted so right so you're gonna have technically patented the idea yes before so- everyone else came out with it yeah uh, How is that going to work retroactively? There is no retroactive. It's 2016 is the uh, public date of the paper. So yeah, but I mean, uh, like, is there? So that means anyone doing these things is technically in breach. I mean, but um, uh, if they want, they can move to BSV and it'll be faster and more efficient. Well, Ryan Cohen, if you're listening, <laughs> you never know. Had quite a few big people on on here from mm. from that saga, so. Maybe he watched. I like to think so. Um, so, yeah, obviously the big controversy surrounding yourself is that you say that you're Satoshi Nakamoto and many people seem to disagree. Uh, one of the things that I would... They don't like that I'm Satoshi. Most of them actually don't actually disagree. They say it, but they're not terribly honest. Okay. But one of the things that I was thinking would sort of provide clarity. So when I spoke to Kurt last Mm. year, then it was um, prior to the last court case that you'd finished. Mm. And yeah, I was, I was thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, the court case will, will, you know, give some clarity and, you know, either, you know, you're talking rubbish or um, it'll say, well, clearly they would have like ruled against him. And then the court case happened. And then all I saw was people drawing their the conclusion they wanted from from the court case and i, I was we're, we're so baffled trace, we're, we're post-truth world here <laughs> i mean the whole thing was about the original satoshi coins etc contrary to what people uh, try and say now that it's nothing to do with those i mean i was being sued for those coins so it wasn't like people say no they didn't fight well actually they did they found uh, that it wasn't a partnership but that by um, definition also means that it's just me. Now, there was fraud on there. And uh, if I had been done for fraud, that would be, oh, Craig's not Satoshi. But no one found that. Okay, because right. So let me let me just clarify um, to make sure I've got this right. So initially, um, there was a, a previous court case where you had asked for these coins from... I don't know, I think it was four different people that you were uh, from. That's a different one. But yeah, I, 
but uh, yeah, that, I'm just trying to get the um, chronology. So that, that's after this. Okay. And so um, that's still ongoing. So the recovery of um, some of the addresses that ended up in a theft uh, ah, okay. against me are out there. So that's separate from the, the coins that we're talking about mm -hmm. in the second case. Okay, right. That's yep. where my confusion was coming from. That's to do with a company that a trust I founded, Tulip Trading, owns that were uh, stolen back in 20, uh, 2020. Mm -hmm. So the reason that, that, I, that I saw people trying to claim that the court case had gone against you was that they, they seemed to, they, like from what I'd read was they'd ruled in your favor, but then you still had to pay some amount um, to... Um, to the company. Yeah. Now that, uh, I won't go into the details. You'll see what happens there. I'll be paying later this year, which will annoy a lot of people. Um, but are you going to uh, pay in Bitcoin or BS or BTC or BSB? You'll see how. <laughs> uh, but um, the reality there is, um, Ira owns less than a third of that company. So the next thing will be uh, the fact that he has taken control and abused that position. So that'll be the next thing against him. So by the end of all this, um, I'll pay and Ira will probably end up bankrupt. Well, hopefully Lance and his feet never like to see anyone out on the street. But well, so yeah, so the, depends if it's self-inflicted. Well, true. But yeah, never a fan of suffering. I don't know. He's a greedy little man. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> yes. And this can be a morality tale for them. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe you can do fables. Mm. <laughs> Crypto Aesop version yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you can stamp it as an NFT. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had boring uses. Um, I mean, I had um, digital bonds, digital assets, um, uh, train tickets, movie tickets. These were my examples. I didn't, I mean, see, my problem was I didn't think of putting bored apes on them. I mean, I actually thought of utilitarian uses, things that people would want to do. How, how crazy of me. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I see like the NFT space is so weird, right? Because I watch people talk about it and they like they they're obviously focusing on the board apes and the, the, the construction cats or whatever the fuck there is. I All don't right. even know. I'm going to interrupt and I'm going to say I've got postgraduate qualifications in art. Okay. Um, a variety of different areas, uh, including uh, postmodern, and um, uh, all I have to say is kish. Every one of these things is ish. None of these people have a clue what art is. These people are running around saying, I'm an artist. No, I'm sorry. Go actually visit the Louvre, go visit Vatican, go, go to a real art gallery, see a real artist at work, go actually see someone who can sculpt something, maybe in marble. Um, there are still those around. There are some when I was over there in uh, uh, Miami during Art Week, uh, there are people who can do these things. There are some terrible things too. I mean, Lena and the Swan. Um, uh, I actually went up to the artist and I said, have you ever seen a woman having an orgasm? Uh, and he said, no, I'm gay. <laughs> and uh, my comment was, it shows. Oh. <laughs> uh, some of the women uh, standing around actually thought it was funny. But um, if you look at his piece of art, it was, well, she was the most unengaged woman in human history. Funny. Yeah, no. smile and take one for Britain. Do it for the Queen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, for me, I don't see them as like bits of artwork. Like it's it's like a Pokemon card collectible thing, but that is nothing about what interests me about the NFT space. I'm more interested in this idea of the, the digital stamp of ownership. Like mm. that's the thing that like intrigues me. Mm. But every time I try to bring this up to people, they just go straight for the board apes, which like I almost understand some of the value in it because someone told me that you get put in a Discord chat with all the people who own board apes or who own whatever Yay, category. I get other wacky people who don't understand art and understand collecting kish. True, but for me, it looks like they're paying for the access to the other people who have it. So say 
Eminem, Justin Bieber, etc., who all have board apes. Not that I think they're in these fucking Discord chats. Like, what do you think they're doing? But like, are I, you that's... really Eminem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm an Eminem. What do you ask him? Yeah. But I mean, I think that's yeah, what yeah, people I, are paying I like for. the peanut ones best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm peanut Eminem. Well, yeah, but I mean, people pay for access to celebrities. You know, they'll pay a stupid amount for whatever reason. I mean, yeah, now they're actually getting access to celebrities. It's an unregulated. Well, uh, yes, I mean, that's another question entirely of whether it's actually real. But, um, but, but it's got her thumbnail. <laughs> Well, you could, you definitely couldn't have just got that off of Google. No, no, it must be Kim Kardashian because it's that that image that was on the news just the other day. Yeah, I don't know if it's actually what's happening, but that's that's what people have explained to me as to like part of the value of it. But like for the digital stamp of ownership, do you see that as being like a real? Um, I don't know. Do you see that as being a valuable piece of technology? Of course, that is the whole reason. So. Um, the white papers I've been producing are all around that. So shares, um, it's actually illegal to have anonymous shares in America. And so bearer shares, et cetera, have been banned since uh, the mid eighties. So that means you actually have to have some way of recording ownership. And uh, this technology is ideal for it. If you look at CompuShare, I mean, it's a big database that can get hacked. Um, things go wrong all the time and they end up with terrible court cases and things like this. Well, that can happen on um, crypto too if you don't secure things, but then there's a record of where they've been. Um, and it can mirror the um, Armstrong case, which is Armstrong versus Winnington Networks, which was distributed token system um, before everyone sort of found out about this other crap to do with carbon credits, which is actually more distributed because the uh, carbon credit system at the time uh, had a node for every nation in the EU. And there's more than 15 nodes in the EU. <laughs> oh, that's a fun bit of irony, isn't it? Mm. It's hilarious. More, yeah, more nodes, 27. Well, 26. 26. Depends on who comes and goes at any point. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, we'll so see. We're more, and then we left. and Yeah, then... we'll see how, how long Hungary and Poland last. Mm. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, not see whether Turkey gets its act together and they let him in. It's never happening. No, <laughs> I'd, I'd like anyone who actually thought that during the referendum. It's like, are you insane? Have you any idea how difficult it is to get into the fucking EU? There's 33 chapters of thing that you have to, and mm -hmm. Turkey have got one, one. <laughs> yeah, it's only a few more to go. <laughs> one down, 32 to go. Well, maybe they'll get their act together, but I can't see it happening anytime soon. <laughs> they got more, they got bigger but, problems. <laughs> but think of all these extra refugees you get to take. I mean, open up this, the um, Turkish border, all those Syrians can just walk right in because they have access through Turkey and everyone's happy. Well, every Syrian's happy. Well, I mean, the EU, well, this, like, this is one of the things that I was stunned by over the last two years, actually. It's like the... In 2015, like Cameron went to, like you're probably familiar with the story, but Cameron went to the, the EU and was like, look, we need this emergency break, like just for a little bit, guys, come on, just, we just want to stop like the like the level of immigration for a little bit, just a wee bit, just a, just a tiny bit. And they're like, no, no, the four freedoms are like, you cannot compromise them at all. And it's like, okay, maybe respect for like sticking by your principles and then coronavirus appears. And it's like, oh, no, no, no. Nations are totally in control of their own borders. It's like, oh, oh, okay. You, so you were full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I mean, personally, I think the EU was a stupid bloody uh, attempt at, well, doing the equivalent of putting a drill to your head and seeing what happens. So you were pro-Brexit? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. I don't like how they did it. Um, but... Um, uh, I'm pro nations, and I, I believe that um, this whole world government crap is the worst thing that could ever happen. Yeah, yeah, that's the it's the centralization again. Like it's the, mm. the, the you know it, it, it concerns me. Do you remember voting for any of your representatives in the EU? <laughs> yeah, actually, but I mean, I'm not sure any of the ones I voted for ended up in there. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's. Like, I, I agree with your point. Like, 
I voted Remain because I don't trust the Tories. Not that I trust Labour anymore at all. Not that I did at the time. Um, but for me, I I look at the EU and the problem is that like it's everything is happening so far from here. Mm. And and they could be doing great things and they've done some cool stuff, you know? Some they've really, done some stupid stuff. They've too. done some very stupid stuff as well. But it's the problem is that it's like happening so far from like, if you're not in the same country as the people that you're making the decisions for, I kind of feel like you're a bit out of touch. Well, the majority um, of the appointees are also not democratically voted in or anything like this either. So effectively, what you have are majority state chosen uh, individuals. Uh, and there's a lot of people in a lot of countries um, that are then very different in alignment to like liberal freedoms in um England and other places, and um, you end up with this state system that grows. It really goes back to uh, Woodrow Wilson, Dewey, and the other Americans who wanted more control. And I don't know if many people know the history, but the bureaucracy in America used to be democratically voted. Um, so, uh, like sheriffs are still voted, and over here with our police commissioners, etc. All of those roles had elections. Now, the part of what Wilson did was remove, um, and then Roosevelt made it even worse, remove any of the controls. And they, they took the bureaucracy out of politics. And people go, that's a good thing. We don't want that. That's actually a terrible thing. What you end up with is public servants who have 20 year uh, expanses of their time without any oversight. Uh, without any ability for politicians to get rid of them. You might get rid of the top guy, but the guy's next level down, no, they're there. They're, yeah, but it's just a machine creating the same people. Exactly. So bureaucracy gets bigger and bigger over time, and you get bigger and bigger government. It has no way of controlling it, no way of stopping it, no way of voting it out, no way of defunding it. Um, and that's part of our problem. I mean, uh, it's not so much the parliamentarians. They... They, they bark a lot and they, they make a lot of noise, but they don't really set the policies. The policies are set by the public servants and the bureaucracy. And if people want to bitch about government, they need to understand that what they need to do is take control of that again. We need to find some politicians who will be willing to stand up and basically face the bureaucracy that they have. Um, and that's part of the problem now. Yeah. Well, I mean, stunningly, actually, well, I mean, not stunningly at all, when... Not that I'm a fan of Dominic Cummings, but like when he came in as um, Boris Johnson's chief of staff mm. and was like, yeah, we're, we're going to shake up the civil service. Like these, <laughs> these dicks need to know that their job is not safe. Um, we need some fresh blood. We need to like revamp the system. And like the British media reacted with horror at the, the thought that like their, their entrenched system might get like the tiniest of tweaking. Like, like a conservative government was going to allow the sort of radical stuff that you actually need to do. <laughs> they were horrified at, the, at rocking the boat. And yes, this guy who's been in his job for 30 years and have never done anything. What about him? What about his job? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. So then this like brings me like brings us full circle to, to this disruption that we're watching of the financial system. Like whether you think BTC is the thing that's like for my listeners who are big BTC fans. When you think that's the thing that's going to like How? disrupt it? To compete with cash, it will need to do at least 100,000 transactions a second for a cost of under a tenth of a cent. Yeah, I mean. Not, not, not under a tenth of a cent most of the time. Mm -hmm. Any time. The maximum that it ever has for fees will have to be under a tenth of a cent. Ever. Now. When's that going to happen on BTC, sorry? Well, I mean, yeah, I can't pretend that I am smart enough uh, or well-read enough in the crypto space to explain how that could be possible. I have people who tell me it's like that it's going to disrupt it. But like the main question that How? I'm trying to get at. I mean, lightning networks, I mean, again, multiple percent. Um, so if I'm sending 100 pounds, that's one pound uh, per really hop. that high. So that's not how it's been sold to me. But that's the whole thing. That's your fees. Mm, but the, like, but the, then on top of that, closing and opening fees make it even higher. Yeah. That's so you can that's you can get up to fifteen percent um, of your your transaction and fees. 
Now, that might not be bad if you're talking about people wanting to buy illicit goods and baggies and that stuff. And that's what they're really advertising. But normal use, if I'm going to go down to Five Guys and buy a burger, I don't want to pay an extra 15%. No. I mean, they chuck that on it anyway because of uh, sort of the uh, implied tip. It's probably 20% actually. But uh, Well, no, I mean, the normally it's the... the the business that's paying the transaction fee generally it like, gets handed back to the consumer. Yeah. I mean, that's, you may not see it, but it's always there. Mm. The business is going to hand back any cost directly to you, the consumer, mm. but it's won't tell you about it. Mm. So the main thing that I'm trying to get out here though, is like whether it's BTC or whether you're correct in saying that, yeah, BSV is, is much more scalable and, and cheaper and, um, well, we're Actually, already 80% I mean, of all transactions on any blockchain, including XRP, which isn't a blockchain, um, are done right now on uh, BSV. And that's growing. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. So if you look, I mean, no one likes to point out these figures, but um, by the end of uh, sort of this half year, I expect it to be well over 90 to 95%. Of all like crypto transactions all digital such. cash transactions yes 99 percent. Mm. so i mean by the end of the year we should have most of the gaming industry globally uh, i'm talking real gaming as in physical hardware yeah um the ability to have an immutable uh, record of transactions means that that information that needs to be saved for government records i used to be involved with setting up gaming machines mm -hmm. Um, that now um, is stored in a way that no one can argue. I mean, it's it's a perfect record without having all the cost of trying to maintain things, going to Iron Mountain, which is another company that won't like us because, I mean, the whole uh, save your information so that you can prove hackers can't get to it. Well, why do I want to waste money on Iron Mountain when it's just proven on the blockchain? Mm. So this is the, the issue. Lots and lots of American companies get disrupted. Yeah, I mean, well, so how do you think the global financial system is going to accept this disruption? Because kicking and screaming. So how, like, this is the thing that I can't get right. So I can envision what the world could look like 20 to 30 years from now, say, everything was done on BSV as the base layer of, mm. of everything or, or whatever happens, right? I can envision how that would work. So let me put it this way. Um, I've been doing a number of talks and papers with uh, people from the IETF and IEEE. Mm. Um, I've got a nice little conference in Dublin actually um, uh, coming up in June. Okay. And in there, I'm going to be explaining some of the methodologies that we have for scaling and uh, integrating this. Can I and you can come if you want. Yeah. Um, what I'm going to be doing is teaching how we're going to be integrating this into 5G and 6G as part of the protocol, how we're going to integrate these directly into IPv6, uh, giving direct method, I mean, basically making uh, Bitcoin part of the internet protocol so that anyone will be able to directly use Bitcoin without any knowledge and have it know, how do I run a node? Nice and simple APIs, direct. Uh, if you can add an IP address to your machine, you'll be able to start exchanging money on Bitcoin, start setting up VPNs, start doing this stuff. Um, now, by building those sort of protocols into uh, IPv6 and uh, which people say, is irrelevant, but it's now 60% of internet traffic um, and growing. Okay. Uh, people just don't check because DHCP, DHCPv6, uh, when your phone, most of, most phones on 4G, 5G now use IPv6, uh, but no one checks. I just assume that IPv6, what's that? And that's that's what Bitcoin should be eventually. It should be plumbing. It should just be this method for sending information back and forth. And um, as people develop um, in IoT and other areas, uh, having a methodology that securely allows them to update, to have access tokens, to uh, update machines, to build 
uh, operating systems that are secure and um, that are self-checking. Uh, so some of the things I've worked on are uh, IoT operating systems that um, allow verification of uh, the operating system against the blockchain. So hackers can't go out there and reload things and, and have um, botnet devices in this next internet, which uh, people look at some of the security work I did in the past and, and laugh at it because I mean, I did a 2008, there was uh, the Java attack I did, which was um, uh, taking over an internet connected coffee machine, <laughs> um, which, uh, uh, got a lot of laughs, but the the other silly one was Braun had an internet connected toothbrush that I hacked. Uh, I actually have no reason. I, I I still can't figure out why on earth anyone would want to connect their toothbrush to the internet, but Braun did, and they did it insecurely. So there you go. So what you changing the settings on someone's toothbrush so they think they're getting pearly whites, but really it's just a vague clean, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, not quite. And you can spy on their brushing habits. Kim Kardashian only brushes this many times. News at 11. Tell you what time people went to bed, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Be interested. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I've, uh, yeah, we've, we've flown past the R already. Um, so yeah, this was fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, has given me a lot of things to go and look up and check out and i believe i owe kurt a thank you and yeah a big thank you to yourself as well so yeah thanks for taking no the problem. time to sit down with me okay thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast if you want to leave us a comment that would be awesome please like share subscribe and if you're listening on apple please leave us a review until next time thanks for listening